Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com, and we are back live at our favorite place, the Gateway Film Center Woo! in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you, crowd. Love doing this once a month. It is Fright Club Live. We're going to tape the podcast right now. And then uh, as, as we talk about our top five, it is five, right? It we is have five. fuzzy. We're not, not fuzzy this not week. Fuzzy. Um, it's, uh, it's our top five captive horror movies, and we're going to show one of them. We've been trying to get this movie for, well, pretty much since we started this podcast. Yeah, for two years. For two years for now. For two years, we have tried to. You know, to actually, get this movie. John was asking me earlier, what has been the holdup? Is it just hard to get or what? It is. It's actually hard to It's hard to see. Um, it's not impossible to see. Netflix will sometimes have it on DVD. You can sometimes find it on YouTube. It's just hard to see, but it's hard. Uh, there, there's just distribution issues with who owns it and who can get it out to you. And, and apparently, uh, depending on your channels, it can be very, very expensive to get. So we want to thank Chris Hamill at the Gateway Film Center for getting it for us. Yes. Because I couldn't be more excited. And the movie is The Woman. Woo! Once again, My rhymes. best friend, Pollyanna McIntosh. What rhymes with the schwoman. That's right. As, uh, <laughs> as we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, um, as you may have noticed, we, we haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. We did not have a podcast at all last week, but there's a silver lining to that. There was a little bit of delay in production. It's always the pre-production and how much is the stamps and I'll buy the <laughs> damn stamp. And I'm quoting Spinal Tap, so I'll stop. But uh, anyway, so we had a week off, but we were going to have a week off anyway since we're on vacation next week. So now we have one in the can that uh, we're going to run while we're on vacation when we talk about the top five final girls final girls with our senior Aussie slasher correspondent Corey Metcalf yeah and it's a really good conversation it's, it it's, it's a good. lot of fun so uh, it is. so a silver lining to the fact that we didn't have one this week we'll have one in a couple of weeks and right now Ross. you can listen to us on Corey's podcast his triple cast uh, will be on there three weeks in a row last week we talked about Halloween 2 this week we are talking about Scream 2 because his theme for the triple cast is uh, good slasher sequels and next week you will want to look it up because one of us really hated the movie texas chainsaw massacre 2 and that would be me (laughs) do not like it at all i'd never seen it uh and just watched it the other night and no it's a big no for me like 10 minutes in he goes this is stupid (laughs) (laughs) and guess who picked it for actually the i did i picked it <laughs> so I'll have to try to argue against you two, and it probably won't be won't end well for me. But so anyway, the last time uh, the last time we talked, we were talking about the Killer Clowns, which was awesome. <gasps> yeah, we got a lot of great feedback we about did. the Killer Clowns. We did, and you know what? I was surprised. The one that the one movie that got the best response was uh, the Laughing the Man Who Laughs, yeah. which is weird because uh, I don't know. You know, it's a silent film. You figure most people haven't seen it. Who knew that Conrad Veidt had so many fans? Yeah, and uh, as we found out, we forgot to mention he's in Casablanca, which. Uh, not a, a horror movie, but a classic movie. Somebody pointed that out. Well, yeah, we didn't even mention that. But yeah. I remember the He's also gra- in Dr. Caligari. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember the great response that our podcast on silent movies yeah. got. Mm-hmm. So it's just- Dark it's, Dave loved it. It's, it's nice to just revisit that stuff that it most is. people don't talk about very often. Should I be embarrassed out loud that I didn't know he was in Casablanca? Although I did know that he was in The Men Who Laughs and also The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Does that, does that show anything at all? No. I'll give you a pass if the you go easy taste. on me next week for hating- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Too. I think it's vice versa. I think you've got a based on your response while we watched the film. I was like, <laughs> I don't think I want this to be public. So, <laughs> no poker face. I had no poker face that week. But uh, all right. Well, so thank you for the great response uh, for the Killer Clowns. That was a good one. Uh, but we'll get into this week's 
subject, and that is captive, because it fits with the theme of the great movie we're going to show here in just a little bit, The Woman. And uh, this one, we went back and forth a little bit on the uh, the first two in the countdown. In fact, one of them is a movie that uh, kind of skirts the line between horror. A lot of people maybe wouldn't call it a horror movie, but we'll get to that. We'll start with uh, number five from 1997. It's Cube. Does anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. Because i got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. You're not getting out of here. Yes, we are. There is no way out of here. We need to get around the trap. They're identified by prime numbers. Figure it out. I can't. I'm not dying in a rat maze. We are the key. The cube is us. Cube. Crazy Canadians. I love this movie, and I think it's really incredibly imaginative, and it, and it was made on a very, very small budget, which is which is impressive. And in a lot of ways, uh, there are a lot of films uh, that sort of have borrowed some of the ideas of it. Saw, for example, the Saw franchise borrowed heavily from this film, where uh, a big group of people just wake up one day, and they're inside this trap, and they have to find their way out. And each one of them has sort of a different skill set, or they're from a different background. And basically what it comes down to is they all have to work together because each one of them contains inside them something that could help them sort of solve this cube of death that they're trapped inside of. It's really fun the way uh, personalities change while they're in here. And also, I'm claustrophobic, and the film is incredibly claustrophobic. But you're, like, for me, the whole, I'm like, oh, they're going to figure this out. You're, like, with them. I could figure this out. We can get out of here. And then you heard her say it. Prime numbers. I'm like, dead. I'm dead. Right. I'm, I'm just going to step out into this saw right here right now and get it over with. Yeah, it's, it's even more scary for people as, if you're as math illiterate as the two of us are. <laughs> You're like, no, exactly. As soon as we get into... We give up now. Yeah, any any type of advanced math, we're out. But it is it is imaginative, even though, like you say, it is low budget. In fact, the majority of it was shot with handheld cameras. So it looks, uh, you know, a little bit on the on the cheaper side, but it still manages to really get under your skin. Also, it's cool that all the, the trapped uh, people, the guinea pigs, so to speak, they're all named after prisons. Oh, uh, the one's named Leavenworth. One is named Quentin, and it just yeah, it's it's one of those little wink wink deals that uh, keeping in in keeping with the theme. But uh, yeah, so they have to figure out patterns, uh, and for some of them, it doesn't end well at all. Uh, but they try to figure out how the thing is going to move and to give them a way out. Way out. And uh, has anybody seen it? Yeah, one, I John likes it. Yeah, um, the 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 ending can the ending can be a little ambiguous uh, without giving anything away. The the original ending the director had gave a very specific reason behind why they were put there, uh, and then at the last minute he decided no and cut that out. So um, it's intentionally more ambiguous. And I like that. I like the end. I like the end because. Um, it's really, really frustrating, um, it, like really, really frustrating. And you're like, why in the hell are you? Ah! But it's, it's one of those, that, but it just makes you remember it. It sticks with you and, it, and you, you talk about it later. So it's kind of, it's a fascinating movie. I really love it. Yeah. And Vincent Natale, who directed it, went on to do Splice, which is another one. You're like, what the, what? Oh, you're not kidding. But in a kind of a good way. 
Yeah, until that one scene. <laughs> it's the, oh, you're going there scene. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, I don't know if you know it or not, but if you don't and you watch it, you'll go, oh, that's what she means. That right there. <laughs> Got ya. Uh, so that's number five in our captive countdown from 97 Cube. And number four, this is the one that just jumped into the countdown here at what? I think yesterday when Hope decided she's going to put it in there. And this is one that we showed um, a few months back as part of Fright Club Live, and it is Compliance. This is Officer Daniels with the police department. I have a woman here saying one of your employees took money out of her purse. You have a young lady who works at the register, about 19 years old, blonde. Becky, come with me. He's saying he will have to take you to jail. Or what we could do is have you strip search her right now. I could strip search you here. No. No. Absolutely chilling from uh, 2012 Compliance. And not a movie that, as I said, some people would think of as a horror movie, although it's certainly horrific, especially when you consider just how true to life it is. It's a kind of movie where if you're not familiar with it, you thought it was maybe just a narrative. You would A lot of people would say, no way people would act like that. There's no way. And then you look into the real true story behind it, and it is so faithful to what actually happened, it will just chill you to the bone that these things actually happened. And uh, and the performances are fantastic. Ann Dowd, who plays the uh, the manager, is just fantastic. Uh, Dreama Walker, who's the girl, is great. And it's it's so well done. And just it just seeps in your bones and just chills you. Yeah, Pat Healy also uh, is great and he's also a great movie called Cheap Thrills. I just love him. And um, and it was directed and written by Craig Zobel who does uh, Teen Girl Squad and uh, Strong Bad and a bunch of like Home the Star Runner, Homestar Runner. All the, yeah. all the great online cartoons and so basically between those two things he's clearly a genius. <laughs> There's a message before the film that refers to that classic uh, Milgram experiment if you've ever studied that in school where it Year back in the, I think the fifties, uh, they did experiments on how far people will go when they're just following what they consider as an authority figure. Uh, in this movie, it's a guy who's pretending to be a cop. And uh, back then, it, it, th- that ex- those experiments showed that people will go incredibly far to the to the extent of hurting other people. And and this is an, uh, a case of it as well. And it's just it's just incredible when you when you again when you realize just how true to life it is. And that that can make it a horror movie and that's why I think we consider it a horror movie yeah that's yeah that's why I do consider it a horror movie also you know um, the, the two things that come out of it so the the young the Dreamo Walker's char- character you know when asked later why she let them do these things she uh, she thought they were going to kill her like she was they, she just couldn't believe that people were just doing what some no name person on the phone was telling them to do she just thought the world had gone insane and if she shoot that they were going to kill her which I think is just really a powerful statement they got the guy who they were 99% sure was the guy who did it, not only in that instance, but many others throughout the country. Uh, And they just couldn't get enough evidence to ironclad link it to him, even though it was incredibly circumstantial. And so he just he just got off. Although after that, all the instances stopped. There hadn't been an instance since then. But yeah, so incredibly chilling movie. And Uh, actually, just a a fun note, we show we showed this here, uh, one of our first films here uh, at Fright Club. And it's the only one since we moved it to Gateway Film Center where somebody laughed, excuse me, left. 
um, I was coming in and this woman was going out and she goes, I hate this movie. <laughs> it can have that effect on you. It yeah, can. definitely. So that is, uh, that's number four in our captive countdown and that's compliance. And it's fun to talk about this next one because it's so new and we really haven't talked about it. And it's just from, as I said, this year and it's green room. Gentlemen, you're trapped. Things have gone south. It won't end well. You can't keep us here, man. We're not keeping you. You're just staying. Shoot who is left. Blood and bleed. Get ready to run. Here we go. Careful now. This will be over soon, gentlemen. Yay! <laughs> so you know, great. It is so great, and it's so fun. You know, uh, uh, you know, when a, a modern, like a brand new horror movie comes out, and you're just so excited by it because you see so many, so many, so many, and most of them are not that great. The you know the majority of them are like, oh yeah, okay, and then you watch one that is just incredibly well crafted and really, really tense and incredibly well written. And I so so far this year, best last line in a movie uh, is in this movie, yeah. and Imogene Poots. Good Lord, she's awesome. Imogene Poots is great in this movie. And, yeah, we, we've just started to put together every year about this time on our uh, website, madwolf.com. We do a uh, countdown of the best, the top 10 or 15 movies of the year so far. And I'm pretty sure this is going to be on it. Yes, there's uh, no question. Because it, it, it's so good. And the, the uh, filmmaker, Jeremy Saulnier, mm-hmm. is that you pronounce it? He uh, considers this his inept protagonist trilogy. Oh, nice. Al- along with Murder Party and Blue Ruin, which was great, uh, where he says the protagonist are in over their heads and trying to survive on skills they don't really have, uh, which these guys and girls find out what skills they do have that they didn't know they have in trying to survive and get out of where they're, they're held captive there. And uh, Patrick Stewart, who's, who's great as Darcy, the guy kind of in charge of this neo-Nazi racist group, uh, he said that he was reading the script. He was at his uh, old country home in England, and it scared him so much he locked up the house and turned on his security system. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He was so scared, and he knew he wanted to be a part of this. And also, uh, too, I think it's funny, Sonia, who's very up and coming, obviously. I mean, very. Blue, Blue Ruin definitely put him on oh the map. Oh, my God, yeah. But the other reason he said he wanted to make this movie, it's interesting, he said because he had a feeling his career was advancing and he didn't think that he'd be given the chance to make a movie as ultra-violent as this. Wow. As he maybe got bigger, which is very interesting. It because is. Because this one is certainly violent. I mean, it gets intense, uh, but in a great way. It's it's so it's so well-paced and well-shot and well-acted. I loved it. Yeah, it's great. I love punk rock. I've always loved punk rock. And, and it's kind of interesting. It, it hadn't really dawned on me the way that since, you know, that, that in probably recent years, Punk rock and sort of neo Nazism has really blended. This is these are the places where the this band gets an opportunity to play. Is it a big neo Nazi rally uh, kind of hangout? And uh, that's creepy and at the same time makes perfect sense, which is awful, really sort of terrible. But I also learned many things. I had no idea this red shoelace business. Yeah, that's, I didn't either. 
That's a terrifying and awesome little piece of information. And we're not going to tell them what it means in case they haven't seen it. But red shoelace is very important. Well, and it's, and it's also... And avoid people in red shoelaces. <laughs> and it's also used to great effect with color contrast of, yeah. of the way everything is so dark uh, down there in that, in that club. And then the, 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 the pop of the red shoelaces, not only because you realize what it means, but just it pops against the color scheme. Um, and, and so many clever little, little things about it, like what they do with the speaker system and the dogs. Yeah. You know, is is very cool. And also you talk about punk rock. I think it's as a side note, it's interesting how, you know, the main uh, image from the poster is the guy with the machete. And it looks so much like the cover of London Calling by The Clash, which just brings into that whole uh, punk rock sort of thing. And it's 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 such a great movie. And I'm I'm, I'm glad it's doing as well as it is, because it's definitely going to be on our. Our uh, top ten of the year, which so reminds far, me, yes, which reminds me that uh, our, the last podcast we do in June, our uh, senior filmmaker correspondent Jason Tostevin is going to join us, and we're going to count down the six best, sorry, maybe five best <laughs> horror films so far this year, the first half of the year. Yeah, so that, that's coming up too, which is fun. So uh, number three on our list of captive horror films from just this year, Green Room, love that, and uh, going up to number two. The star of the show tonight from 2011, The Woman. This is our project, and it's a secret. What are we going to do with her? We're going to help her. We're going to train her, civilize her, free her from herself, from her baser instincts. Do you really think we should be doing this? And since we're going to show this here in just a little bit, in the interest of time and spoilers, we're not going to we're not going to talk too much about this movie. But a couple things to watch for the the juxtaposition of uh, the music, how it might sound out of place, but then you think about it, and it's really not the type of music that they're using for some of the scenes, and just the whole, I guess. At its very base, it's sort of a nature versus nurture uh, comment on women in society. Yeah, I think so. Lucky McKee is a filmmaker, and he he does tend to have, I think, feminist tones in most of his horror movies. He did May uh, with Angela Bettis, who's also in this movie, and um, uh, but and so so if you haven't seen this. Bear with me. I promise that by the end you'll go, oh, that's why she says feminist. Because for a while you're going to be going like, what is wrong with you? But it's, it's bear with me. And also cookies. Pay attention to the cookie scene. Great. <laughs> so great, the cookie scene. Um, yeah, I think the thing is to notice how all the women, except for the woman, are treated in the movie. And how maybe they're victims in another way. And then, well, that's we'll leave it at that. Yeah, but, but uh, Jack Ketchum wrote this, and he's uh, he's a twisted individual. And uh, <laughs> Captive Women actually is it fe- features prominently in a lot of what he wrote because he also wrote The Girl Next Door, which is based on a true story about in the, not set in the 1950s. They th- this family kept their niece in the basement, and it's really hard to watch, partly because it wasn't directed by somebody quite as talented as Lucky McKee. Um, and um, but and then he also wrote. Jack Ketchum wrote the predecessor to this film, uh, which is not very good. But this movie is... um, Which is called The Offspring. The Offspring, sorry. Uh, The woman is really like nothing else. I mean, it's really like nothing else. And, and it's, it's pretty... I, I love that one of the one of the, like critic quotes was disturbing and disgusting. That was like the quote that they put in their trailer. <laughs> Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely, I really hope you like it because I just love it. 
okay, so we ducked into an empty theater because we don't want to spoil too much. There's a bunch of people that haven't seen this movie at all, which I love. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. But yeah. we want, so we don't want to spoil anything, but talk a little bit more about it. And um, one aspect that people aren't prepared for, I was talking to a couple people tonight, uh, the dark humor in it. Well, it's very, very dark. But, but also, <clears throat> the film is so... WTF so 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 in that way that I think the first time you see it it's easy to miss an awful lot of what's going on an yeah. awful lot you know I think uh, you know I think that you can miss um, the direction the the framing I think you can miss a lot of uh, just the subtle things exactly yeah. but it's an incredibly well put together film yeah uh, you know we've talked before about the feminist nature of it which some people miss because it's so she takes such the woman takes such abuse yeah it, it, at, at first blush you'd say well how can this be you know a feminist movie but it's the whole question as I alluded to a little bit ago before we came in here about the nat- nature versus nurture thing because you look at every other woman in the movie besides the woman is being put upon is being forced into a submissive submissive role and the message is this is what society expects of women but then you find you get this captive who didn't come up in this society and she's totally different for me i think i think what the movie does is re-examine or or turn uh gender roles on their side Mm -hmm. it just looks again at Patriarchy and whether or not that's a good idea. I mean, I'll, you know, it just uh, it just throws a lot of ideas like that out there. But it's 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 very specifically, uh, you know, considering yeah, power and individual power and and power between the sexes and really to a certain degree in this film, <laughs> whether or not men are even necessary. <laughs> well, that's true. And there also there's just uh, we mentioned the dark humor, but there's a. A poking—I don't want to say poking fun, but really pulling back the layers of the "quote unquote" nuclear family yeah. and the, this, the perfect family unit, and uh, you know the the facade that this guy puts up. Yeah, uh, and he's just so unendingly polite. You know, oh, oh yeah. he's so nice, charming, charming and, and this and that. And so here, my favorite, as you know, my favorite piece of trivia, Sean Bridgers, who is the dad in this film, who takes captive a woman and keeps her in his shed, also plays old Nick in the film Room. Who? Does, he does the same thing. And that one, of course, is not humorous at all. No, it is uh, not. It's a great it's a movie. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant film. But the point is, stay away from this guy's shed. <laughs> That's right. And he does a great job because you just hate him. And when he gets his comeuppance, um, as as he does in glorious fashion, uh, it's, it's, it's well earned. And there's some of the things, um, a couple things about this movie we mentioned what we like, the subtlety, the subtle things you catch on, on uh, repeated viewings. And I think for both of us, our favorite scene may be the one where the wife and the woman just exchange looks uh, back and forth about something that the woman thinks the wife is going to do, maybe come to her aid, and it doesn't turn out the way that the woman... Well, I think that, I mean, uh, I I agree with you. I think that that is a 
pivotal scene and I think it is probably the most well crafted scene in the entire film so so if you haven't seen it and, and a lot of people haven't seen it but we really urge you to give it a chance it's such a great film and it's a it's a scene inside the shed with the woman and the husband and wife and she's carrying a two by four the, the wife is so we're going to leave it there but when you watch the movie I promise you that scene yeah. is going to stay with you it is so brilliantly executed yeah just catch the the, the unspoken just the looks and what they're saying to each other without without saying anything yeah it's a it's a great scene but but one that is is so such um so much quieter than all the carnage going on oh, it's, yeah. it's, it might be easy to miss the first time around uh and one of the things i think i've mentioned this before that's interesting uh that was left a, an entire subplot was left on the cutting room floor concerning peg the the, the teenage daughter now, they had a whole subplot about her psychological nature and her relationship with her teacher. Is, uh, is it Carly Baker? Is that the, uh, the actress, I think, who I plays think the so. teacher? So uh, one of the most amazing things about this film is how utterly superb all of the performances are. They are so good, except the teacher, who is <laughs> god-awful. Yeah, Just kind of, stand out terrible. She kind of is. But uh, so there's yeah, there's there's so much to like about this movie. And another thing, another subtle, subtle things to watch uh, if you haven't seen it before, uh, just how everybody acts, how all the women in the family act around the dad, just those little things like the way they shut the car doors when they get into the car. Everybody's just walking on eggshells, just down to the very last little movement um, and then how everything is torn asunder when the woman comes in. So, uh, yeah, we can't we can't recommend it enough. Um, and it's the it's the one we've shown here right now uh, tonight. But it only checks in at number two on our list of captive horror. So that means number one has got to be a goodie, right? And you know that it is. And it's from two thousand three, old boy. We love it. You love it. If you haven't seen it, do so. You must see this movie. Twist that you don't see coming. It might be just the quintessential captive horror movie. That's the you thing. Know? That's the thing when you, when, you, when you think about the fact that it's in the number one spot. I, you, you, just, you just don't know how much we love the film The Woman. Love, love the film The Woman. Love Pollyanna McIntosh. And, and, and just want to shout from the rooftops because so few people have seen it. And yet... It couldn't make the number one spot on the list because Old Boy is just truly a masterpiece. It's so great. And uh, if you're not familiar, it's uh, a guy who is inexplicably uh, held captive in a room, pretty much like a hotel sort of thing, uh, for 15 years. And he has no idea why. And then almost as inexplicably, he's let out. And uh, then he sets about trying to piece together the mystery. Who did it? Why they did it? And secrets come out and um, unfortunate things happen. Blood is shed. Teeth blood- are shed. Oh. Other body parts are shed. Oh, yeah. It is, it is a brutal, brutal, brutal movie. And, and, and the clues uh, and, and, and just the, the meandering uh, sleuthing, it's just incredibly brilliantly done by, by Chen Wook Park, who, and I've said this before, watch everything he makes. Yeah. He's a genius. He is just a phenomenal filmmaker. And then 
Minsik Choi, who is a favorite of ours, the man can take a beating. He can take a beating. And he just, you know, his face is awesome. You know, <laughs> it is. like it the, is. the trailer and that, that hair we show. I know. I love the trailer for yeah. this because, and it's so funny, we, we do um, foreign language horror a lot, you know, on the countdown, which makes it tough with trailers sometimes because, of course, you can't. But they, the, what the great is that they don't even. They don't show one scene with dialogue in this trailer. And then, of course, they have that great uh, Marilyn Manson cover song. Yeah. I love this trailer. But but one of the things I love is these close-ups on Minsik Joy's face and that crazy hair. Yeah. You know, he really does seem like a guy who's just lost his mind from being stuck in a single room for the last 15 years. Yeah, and you mentioned he can take a beating for this one. He trained for, for weeks, a uh, couple of months, and lost 20 pounds to get in shape wow. for the beating that he takes. Um, and did most of his own st- and, and stunt gives. work. And gives. And gives. <laughs> uh, and did most of his own stunt work as well. And this, as you may know, it's part of uh, Chanwick Park's Revenge trilogy, which is Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, uh, which is the first. And then Old Boy is the second. And then Lady Vengeance uh, 2005 is the third. So it's... Uh, it's all tied together. Not, not to not to say that you have to see the others to appreciate Old Boy. No, but just do it. Just do it anyway. <laughs> They're so good. The other two, I think, Old Boy. I mean, we've said this before. You know, it's 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 a horror film. Only it's so extreme and so violent that I think the horror community has really, really embraced it. But I, I don't know that you would call it necessarily a horror film. For me, the other two, the two, uh, uh, Miss Vengeance and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Are not horror movies, but they are great movies, mm-hmm. and and the three together are are yeah, it's just an epic experience. And then you may have, even if you haven't seen the movie, you're probably aware of that very famous sequence, the corridor scene in Old oh Boy, the the, <laughs> fight, the, the the way it's staged, the way it's shot, and it it's one of those where it's put together almost to look like one take. It's not one take. Right. But it's so well put together that it looks like you, you feel like it is. Yeah. And just the, the, the lighting, the shadow, the, the framing, everything about it, it's just, it's an incredible passage, you know, in, that kind of stands alone inside an equally incredible movie. And uh, that's, I mean, there's, that's reason enough to see it, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, and it's, there are going to be so many times in this movie, if you haven't seen it, where you just you just want to look away. You just but don't, you know. <laughs> Make yourself. It's um. It is a brutal film. It's 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 also very funny and it's yeah. really dark funny. But the action sequences are just beyond excellent. And and you know the the investigation is kind of fascinating keeps going places you would never expect it to go and uh the end is wildly weirdly brilliant yeah and uh the the biggest piece of advice that we can say is do not get it confused with the spike lee remake don't avoid that (laughs) please avoid that for me we gotta get out of here and get to get the woman rolling here this podcast will probably be up uh, at medwolf.com on monday and then uh the week after that we're going to be talking about the final Final girls Girls. uh, our top five final girls in horror so uh, look forward to that we're going to get this movie rolling here so until then i'm george wolf i'm hope madden and this is the fright club podcast Stay frightful, my friends. thank you so much you. rachel and tony hit it Try.